A recipe for a good day brought to you by Little General Convenience Stores, your neighborhood store. Why fight the lines at the big box chains when Little General Convenience Stores has what you need? Selling only the best quality brands like Gorelick Farms, Boston Salads, Prepared Foods, KM, and Purdue. Little General also sells lottery, tobacco products, and yes, of course, your stop for your daily newspapers. Weekly specials change every Monday, so check online at littlegeneral.com for this week's specials. Plus, littlegeneral.com is the place to go for the delicious recipes you heard here on a recipe for a good day. So whether you're picking up food or products for your home or if you're looking for food or coffee on the go, shop your neighborhood store. Little General Convenience Stores, open eight days a week. for a good day Wednesday, our weekly food get-together brought to you by Little General Convenience Stores. Your convenience store with more. Look around. You'll find one in your neighborhood. Little General Convenience Stores, where quality is their first priority, pleasing their customers for many a generation. We're glad to have them as a proud sponsor of Recipe for a Good Day. We have a nice program for you, thanks to some of the great special items on sale this week. Last week, I did make my way down there, and from the uh, good people at Hummel Brothers, man, I had that uh, turkey breast on sale last week. Uh, it was so good. I made a salad with it. So I had I had some incredible cucumbers from a listener's garden, Miss Helen. Uh, and her garden cucumbers are far superior to anything I've been able to buy in retail. Um, with the water, with the sun we've had this summer, uh, the cucumbers are so, so bountiful. So I, I used my meat slicer. And sliced them extra thin. Oh, they were so good. With some, what, what I did manage to find was a good head of lettuce. It's another thing that's kind of tricky to get your hands on right now. A good quality head of lettuce. So I had that. I mixed it with the good quality Hummer Brothers turkey breast. And then here's the thing to keep an eye on at Low General Stores. Now, this was at the Manville, uh, Manville Hill Road location. Uh, so you go to the deli. Just beyond the deli, they hit their 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 refrigerated units. Now, in uh, I can't remember if it was the third or fourth refrigerated unit in, they have cheese ends. They're the end butts of the cheese that they they can't put through the slicer. But who cares? You're getting top quality cheeses for pennies. Um, so I had a nice hunk of uh, provolone, and uh, I had a nice hunk of American cheese, and uh, I paid maybe 
$2, anywhere from $1.50 to $2. I don't remember exactly what I spent, but it was a, a very, very uh, affordable. Uh, what we had there was uh, the, the cheese and the salad with that great Hummer Brothers turkey meat, with that great uh, cucumbers from Helen's Garden, with that great head of lettuce, and, of course, low-fat, zero-sugar uh, salad dressing. I know it's exciting. Uh, and it was so good. This week, it is the Hummel Brothers Ham Off the Bone for an even better price, just $5.99. That'll be going in my weekend salad for sure. Um, so what's on sale? We're going to get you started at all low general locations now through close of business Sunday. And it's Hummel Brothers Ham Off the Bone, $5.99 a pound from Triple M, the folks that bring you the Buddha Ball hams in the uh, Christmas season, they bring you their classic roast beef for just eight eighty nine a pound. From Genoa, it's hot sweet Capicola, seven eighty nine a pound. Hot or sweet, the choice is yours. Lando Lakes, now this is this is not your average American cheese. This is very good quality. Uh, I think there's five Italian cheeses that are blended here. Six eighty nine a pound, sliced fresh at the deli by Lando Lakes. From KM, it's their skinless hot dogs. Five eighty nine a pound. Boston Salads has their not one, not two, not three, but four bean salad for just four eighty nine. Uh Triple M Classic Rope Beef again, eight eighty nine a pound. And the premier meat items this week on sale, it's petite sirloin steak. It may be small, but it's big in flavor. Five ninety nine a pound. And yes, Little General's own steak hamburg on sale for five eighty nine a pound. That's a fair price for that as well. Uh, and from Hatfield, this may be the sale item of the week. Get your bacon on bacon, 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 bacon for just three ninety nine a pound. Man, and and I saw that I have been wanting a bacon racked chicken loaf for weeks now, but I couldn't afford the bacon at the other prices, but now it's on sale for three ninety nine a pound. Again, it's from the great people at Hatfield. I just had some of their ham steaks that was on sale a few weeks ago. They were outstanding. I had a I had a honey ham steak. Dina had a maple ham steak and we both enjoyed ours from Hatfield that we picked up at the Little General stores and we're gonna be picking up that bacon three ninety nine a pound and with that tempo meatloaf mix We've got a great recipe for you that we can utilize for that. Um, and for some of those, uh, those uh, lunch meats, we got a, a, a special sandwich coming up for you in a moment. So we have all that and more still to come on Recipe for a Good Day. And yes, a new edition of Reynolds Wrap also on today's program. So a quick commercial message from our sponsor. And we're going to get down to giving you some recipe ideas for some of the sale items this week at all locations. Recipe for a Good Day, brought to you by Little General Convenience Stores, with locations for your shopping needs throughout the Blackstone Valley, 2-in-1 Socket, Manville Road, and Cumberland Hill Road, Great Road, North Smithfield, Chapel Street in Boroughville, and Central Avenue in Pawtucket. Always hot, always fresh coffee stations to get your day started. Grab-and-go meals, perfectly prepared for you, whether it's for an easy lunch to get you through your work day, or to make an easy, satisfying dinner to end your day. And 
of course, delicious deli items from top-of-the-line lunch meats to top-of-the-line steak and chicken products. Oh, and of course, always fresh ground hamburg. Stay up to date on each week's sale items by going online at littlegeneral.com, your convenience store with more. Little General, where you always get a smile, a please, and a thank you. Open every day, including today. Proud sponsors of Recipe for a Good Day, Little General Convenience Stores. All right. Now, I end up in some very strange food conversations throughout the course of the week. And one of the strangest ones, and they said, well, you're into comics and, and cartoons. He said, well, you know, it's been alleged that I do uh, appreciate a good comic strip or a good uh, cartoon um, yet to be proven in a court of law. So this is what is uh, now I, I, who was in a debate over the meat of a Dagwood sandwich is beyond me. Was it turkey? Was it ham? Was it beef? Um, and it says, you, you should know the answer to this. You do recipe for a good day. Well, they didn't know. Boy, do I know the answer to this because I actually have in my hands right now Blondie's Cookbook, one of my favorites. Of course, America's favorite comic strip wife offers over 200 recipes of soups, salads, and sandwiches. Sure to plead the Dagwood in every home. And, of course, there was a big-time uh, radio series back in the day. Where's Blondie, Dagwood? Oh, she's out in the car. Wait a minute, I'll call her. Blondie! Of course, Dagwood and Blondie delighted audiences every week on Old Time Radio and in the comic strips as well. The comic strips by uh, Chick Young's classic uh, uh, cookbook with illustrations revised by uh, Dean Young. And this gives the actual recipe for what a Dagwood sandwich is to end the argument. Here we go. Um, slice of buttered bread. Easy enough. Bread of your choice. Layer of crisp lettuce. Okay. Easy enough. Now, here you go. You're all right. Whoever was in that argument with you, my friend, everybody's right because the choice is yours. It could be cold. It's going to be cold cut. Sliced chicken. It could be ham. It could be veal. It could be pork. It could be pot roast. It could be turkey. It could be cold cuts. It could be bacon. It could be sausage. Any type of meat makes a Dagwood sandwich. So you can go ahead. I'll give you the thumbs up. Why don't you combine the Triple M Classic Roast Beef for eight eighty nine a pound, the Ham Off the Bone from Hummel Brothers for five ninety nine a pound, and why not, on the top of that, slip in a little Genoa Hut or Sweet Capicola, whatever the choice is yours, for seven eighty nine a pound. The answer is... There's no wrong way. It could be any of those meats for a Dagwood, but what comes after it is a hefty slice, and I'm not sure who eats this Dagwood sandwich. So, the uh, what they call the Earl of the Sandwich. Uh, in 1758, the Earl of Sandwich, rebelling against the tyranny of no gambling at mealtime law, ordered that pieces of meat should be laid between two slices of bread and brought to him as he sat at play. Thus, the sandwich was born. The ultimate sandwichdom remained for almost two centuries later 
when in the late 1930s, the super sandwich of all time, the Dagwood, was born. So here it is. A slice of buttered bread. A layer of crisp lettuce. Again, that cold slice, you can go with the roast beef. You can go with the ham. You can go with the chicken. You can go with the veal. You can go whatever you want and even combine them. That would be fantastic. Just make sure your bacon is cooked. Thin slices of hard-boiled egg. Or, if you want, you can use a fried egg as well. Then a layer of American cheese. Now, if you wanted to, I don't think I would use cottage. But it says here in the recipe book you could use cottage, you could use Swiss, you could use cream cheese. Um, I might combo the cream cheese and American cheese. Why not? A slice, a layer of sliced tomatoes. Now, for the bouchard, sardines. Now, for red, you could use anchovies. Or for those other fish lovers, you could use a smoked salmon. But some sort of fish will be on there. A slice of onion. Cold baked beans, a second layer of lettuce, a second slice of buttered bread. And that is how the ingredients measure up for the infamous Dagwood sandwich. Now, you start building with the crisp lettuce. You continue on with the sliced um, meat, the egg, the cheese, the tomato, etc. The additions you could be inserted for taste are you could include a sliced pineapple, chopped or sliced pickles would, would be perfect for the sandwich, pickled beets, Olives, cucumbers, Russian dressing, ketchup, mayonnaise, horseradish, salt, pepper, whatever type of of other um, condiment that you might like on the sandwich. But that is the story. That's the history. That's where it came from. And uh, I don't know if that settles your argument, uh, emailer, but the Dagwood sandwich has a long history. And apparently if you just shove enough stuff between the slices of bread, they'll call it a Dagwood. And there's no wrong meat to put into the Dagwood sandwich. So that is what a Dagwood is from Blondie herself and the cookbook that she used in the 1930s to please Dagwood. Now, just to show how easy it is to pull up old recipes, I, when I saw the bacon on sale for three ninety nine a pound, I got excited because I've been wanting a chicken-wrapped, uh, bacon-wrapped chicken loaf, which is meatloaf made with ground chicken wrapped in bacon. And I was going to go looking last night for my... Uh, recipe, and then I realized I don't have to. LittleGeneral.com has all the past editions of Recipe for a Good Day. And when I post a show, I always put the menu on the show so you know exactly what is on that show. So I just went back. I found the April 12th edition of this year. Of That episode was wrapping all sorts of things in bacon. And one of those recipes given was the chicken, the bacon-wrapped chicken loaf. And I thought I'd share it with you today because we have the Tempo Meatloaf Mix available at Low General, $1.49 a box. And when they're gone, they're gone. Um, so make it easy. You get a pound of ground chicken. You get one of those Tempo uh, Meatloaf Mix and you have one egg you, and that pound of bacon on sale by Hatfield, three ninety nine for a pound of bacon. Pre-sliced at Little General Stores. You can make that. So uh, I want to recap that recipe. It was super easy to find. You can spot, find it on Spotify as well. If you just look up Recipe for a Good Day on Spotify, if you are that app user on your mobile devices, you'll see the red letters for Little General Convenience Store. And please do favorite our podcast, which follows the broadcast of this program. So here it is. Uh, it was easy to pull up. And just to show you how good they sound, uh, this is the recipe for the bacon-wrapped chicken loaf from LittleGeneral.com. 
So for me, it was one box of the Tempo meatloaf mix, uh, one egg and one third cup of water, and I was on my way. So again, I mixed the mixture of the egg and the water. I let it sit for an extra minute or two and then dropped it in the ground uh, chicken and I mixed it up. You could do the same thing with your meatloaf. Uh, but I wanted to bacon wrap this chicken loaf. For some reason, it was in my mind. Um, I'm going to tell you how I did it. I'm going to tell you another alternative way, especially if you are using ground beef in your meatloaf. But with the ground chicken, there's less fat in it than you'll get in ground beef to begin with. So adding fat and flavor through the bacon works out perfect. And for this, I did use my, my loaf uh, pan, my glass Pyrex um, meatloaf pan. Uh, and the method for wrapping the chicken and bacon was actually rather easy. So we gave you some few tips earlier, again, about stretching your bacon, let it get to room temperature. Uh, for this application on the chicken, we're going to do all the cooking at the same time. We're not going to pre-cook this bacon. Uh, you're going to use parchment paper here. So what you want to do is line your loaf dish with the parchment paper and then take your bacon strips and we're going to we're going to keep your loaf in front of you in a rectangular uh left to right long version in front of you uh it's got the parchment paper in there now you are going to take your long strips of bacon and go north to south center it in the pan and push it down so let that bacon overflap the sides of the pan uh, of your of your your loaf pan and push it down into the bottom and this is going to go right side by each right over it if you want to you can leave just a maybe a quarter of an inch overlap on your bacon strips before this is before any meat is put in there on top of it so go ahead and stretch them out you're going to have a couple of inches on each side of your loaf dish go left to right across the long way of the pan and layer that with bacon again allowing it to overlap and, and fold out of the pan um, and then you have your left and right ends for this you're going to use two to three strips of bacon and you're only going to put about two inches on the bacon you've already laid in. So a majority of this bacon strip is going to be folding outside of that loaf pan. Once you, once you get both the left and the right ends in a situation where you have about two to three strips, depending on how, uh, on how wide you're going. Uh, for me, it was three strips with a little overlap. Then you are ready to take that meatloaf mixture and put it on top of that layered bacon. And go ahead and press it down into that loaf pan. Get your loaf formed in the pan and then you're going to close it up. You're going to take the, um, the north-south strips that you've laid out and you're going to fold. Uh, just fold one end, fold the other end, fold one end, fold the other end, close it up left to right across the long way, saving the ends for last. Once you get your middle pieces closed over, then you can start on one side. You can take those two or three strips, lay it across the bacon, uh, the bacon wrapped loaf already the long way. And you can do the same thing on the right side. Just fold it back over and lay it over. So now you should be looking at an uncooked wrapped chicken loaf in this situation, what we're talking about. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna follow the instructions on the box. For me, I did increase the cooking time. The tempo boxes call for a preheated oven at 350, and it calls for your meatloaf to be cooked at about 40 to 45 minutes. 
I actually went 50 to 55 due to the fact that it was wrapped in bacon. I wanted to allow some, not too much, but some extra cooking time. Uh, and it, and it, when it came out perfect. Now the surprise was, when I took it out of the oven, uh, I knew I had to get it out of the dish in order to cool. You had that bacon on the bottom. wanted to make sure that it was aerating. So, uh, like Johnny Reynolds recommended, well, just use your, whatever you use for a cake rack or a cookie rack. Uh, whatever your rack is, use it. So I set it up and it was a very easy lift out to my surprise. The parchment paper was not a pool of grease. Um, I think it helps when you're using a ground chicken versus the ground beef. It's not as fatty. It's not as much runoff. So that item came right out very easily. I slid the parchment paper out, left it on the cooling rack to cool. And uh, following that, I did put it in the fridge. Wasn't expecting to eat it Saturday night until the wife came home. She could smell it. What did you make? I mentioned what I made. She says, we got to have some now. So we pulled it out with a sharp knife. Again, this is a, this is not, you don't use a serrated knife. You don't want to rip it apart. But with a nice sharp knife, it was super easy to slice. The bacon stayed intact, not only through the cooking process, but through the slicing method as well. And even down to the bite size cuts, the bacon stayed perfectly intact using this method. The ground chicken uh, was beautiful in that chicken loaf. It was not greasy at all. You might say, well, it's going to come out greasy. There's no place for that grease to go. But the chicken loaf wasn't a concern again uh, it was not a greasy eat. We had about half of it left. So on uh, Easter Sunday, while we're waiting for the ham to cook, we actually, uh, Red and I ate the other half of the bacon-wrapped chicken loaf before we ever got to the ham dinner. Um, it was so delicious. I highly recommend trying it with the ground chicken. I know we usually don't talk health when we're wrapping things in bacon. However, um, it did provide a less greasy cut. Now, if I was doing it, with the ground beef and I want to bacon wrap a actual meat loaf, not chicken loaf, I would use a different method. I would be doing, I would be more looking at doing a half cooking of the bacon, um, still keeping it pliable, but I want to cut down on the amount of grease in the meatloaf dish due to the fact knowing that ground hamburg is going to create its own grease as well. You've seen it when you've made your meatloafs. Um, so for this instance, I'm going to make a weave before putting it together. Um, you use about 11, 12 pieces of bacon. So what you can do is just line a baking sheet with parchment paper. And again, we're still going to utilize 350 on our oven, get it preheated. I'm going to take those um, 11, 12 pieces. I'm going to make it actually like a basket weave. Not in a basket form, just a flat form, but make a weave, a rectangular weave. Up and down, up and down, left to right, north to south. Make a nice weave pattern with your uncooked bacon on the parchment-lined baking dish. And actually going to put that basket weave in the oven. Going to bake it for maybe about 15 minutes. I'm going to keep an eye because I don't want it to become breakable. Um, so anywhere between that 10 to 15 minutes marks, just get some of that grease pouring out of the bacon. Uh, after that, you're going to remove it, let it, and uh, move it to a cooling rack, blot up any excess grease. You can use paper towels and then let it cool for about 10, 15 minutes. Meanwhile, you can can get your meatloaf mixed. Whatever it is you do at home, 
when you mix your meatloaf is fine. Some people like to put uh, diced up peppers and onions or other things in your meatloaf. It's absolutely fine. Go ahead and do it. Uh, but once you have your meatloaf mixed together, uh, and you know, if you're using the tempo again, it's easy. It's a pound of ground beef. It's one egg and a third cup of water. And at that point, you can put any onion or pepper into your meatloaf. You get that ready. You've half cooked that um, basket weave of bacon. We're going to do it a little different here. We're going to use the special. We're going to take that bacon weave off the rack, and we're going to we're going to form your loaf again. We're going to, we're going to utilize the um, the parchment lined baking sheet here. You're going to take that meatloaf mixture. You're going to round. You're going to make your loaf shape. Round it up. Uh, you're going to take that bacon weave and drop it on top of the meatloaf, tucking it under both sides and the left and right as well. Uh, the difference here is we're not going to trap a bunch of that hamburger grease. We're not going to trap that bacon grease where it has nowhere to go. And there's a good chance you can have an over-greasy meatloaf. For this one, we are going to allow it to uh, spread out a little bit more. Uh, so you have your bacon weave. You're just going to drop it over. You're going to gently tuck it under, flipping it over so the, the, um, the, the uh, meatloaf is now tucked uh, the bacon is tucked under the meatloaf. If you have to, you could secure it with some soaked toothpicks, but the gravity should take care of it itself if you've made your weave properly. Um, here's another thing, the tip for you. I didn't do this with the chicken loaf, but you can do it with the chicken loaf or the bacon or the meatloaf. Um, maybe you want to use a little barbecue sauce. Maybe you want to, I don't know why. I'm not a big ketchup. I know many of you do top your meatloaf with ketchup. I use a Worcestershire sauce. Whatever that is, before you wrap the bacon, you can uh, brush your meatloaf or your chicken loaf with whatever type of sauce you might want to top it with and then put the bacon on top. Um, and, you know, you can also during the last, say, hmm, 15 minutes or so of the cooking process, take it back out of the oven and just quickly brush some of that barbecue sauce or whatever you're using on top of the bacon itself. You're only going to add more flavor. Um, once you get it wrapped, again, you're going to go through your cooking time. Uh, you're going to keep an eye on it. Uh, maybe add a few extra minutes, but if you in this situation, you've half cooked the bacon. So I would not be so quick to add the extra 10 minutes I did on the chicken loaf because, again, that bacon is already half cooked. Renting is, uh, resting is important after the cooking process before you even slice it. Due to the fact you got to let that bacon settle, you got to let that bacon adhere to itself and seal it up. And if you've gone, gone through the process correctly, it should slice neatly and easily and be a delicious addition to your table. It's easier than you thought. Don't think just because you go into a high-priced restaurant and you're paying extra to have something wrapped in bacon, it must be very difficult to do. Absolutely not. It can be done. That Reynolds wrap by here, Betty? You bet you, Pat. Reynolds wrap makes this whole cooking and cleanup thing so easy. Reynolds wrap makes good food better. The great thing about Reynolds Wrap is it's the one wrap you can depend on. Just a little Reynolds Wrap can do more for a woman than any other wrap. 
How many of you fellow gastronomes remember your high school days traversing through the hallways on the way to chemistry class knowing it's experiment day? Ah, yes. The times when we can wreak havoc on certain elements and watch a possible mini explosion or at the very least some reaction that would elicit shrieks of exuberance at the thought of a catastrophe. There are certain times in the professional and home kitchens where a chemical reaction or combination can happen that will elicit shrieks of delight at the thought of a great meal. Now, when you create a menu for the day's home servings, it's a good guide to begin with an appetizer salad to set the tone for the rest of the meal. But the question remains, do you know why a salad dressing tastes the way it does? How it holds together as well as the salad? There are answers that will have its base in the science of chemistry, even in your home kitchen. If you've ever tried to make salad dressing from scratch, you know that one of the biggest challenges is getting the oil and the vinegar to mix properly. No matter how hard you try to shake, stir, or whisk oil and vinegar together, they eventually separate. Now this happens because vinegar and oil are made of very different types of molecules that are attracted to their own kind. Let's talk about vinegar real quick. Vinegars are solutions of acetic acid and water, plus some other acids and alcohols, depending on the type of vinegar that you're using. You know, there's apple cider vinegar, uh, balsamic vinegar, white wine vinegar, and even rice vinegar. Water, acetic acid, and alcohols are all examples of polar molecules. Molecules that have a slightly negative negative charge at one end or pole and a slightly positive charge at the other end. You know, kind of like a magnet. Polar molecules are generally attached to other polar molecules because their slightly negative poles have an affinity for their slightly positive poles. Polar molecules are attracted to water molecules, which are also polar and are called hydrophilic, which means water loving. Oils are a different story. Oils are a type of fat, you know, like butter, shortening, and lard. They're considered non-polar. Fats and oils are composed primarily of long molecules called fatty acids, usually bound together by glycerol molecules in the groups of three called triglycerides. Most of the atoms in a fatty acid molecule share electrons evenly and are neither negatively or positively charged, although fatty acids do contain small regions of polarity, just not enough to make the whole molecule polar. You can observe this phenomenon by placing a few drops of oil on the surface of a bowl of water. Eventually, the drops will form a single large oil slick. Oils repel polar molecules, such as those found in vinegar. Now, because oils also repel water, they are called hydrophobic, which means water-fearing. So, how do we bring together polar and non-polar molecules to make something delicious like mayonnaise? Mayonnaise is called an emulsion. Same thing with like a balsamic vinaigrette, an Italian seasoned dressing, and such. They're basically an essential a combination of water and oil and a little bit of egg. Same thing in any salad dressing. We need an emulsifier. An emulsifier is the hand holders of the molecule world. They contain both hydrophobic and hydrophilic regions and are able to attract and hold hands with polar and nonpolar molecules, simultaneously pulling them together to form a special type of mixture called an emulsion. For instance, after adding an effective emulsifier to oil and vinegar and mixing thoroughly, separation of the oil from the vinegar will take a lot longer or may even won't happen at all. Even dressings and sauces that involve mayonnaise or
or a Greek yogurt that are mixed with other tasty ingredients are emulsified, often using another agent that properly embraces those two different molecules as a binder. We're talking mustard, maybe one. How about some egg yolk? And hummus is another, as mentioned in the first segment on the science of salads. My friends, making your own salad dressings is by far more economical, more fun, and it also shows you, the home cook, the importance of how foods come together. We will enjoy more of these discussions in future segments. But for right now, for a recipe for a good day, sponsored by Little General Stores, the store with more... I'm Johnny Reynolds, and that's a wrap. Reynolds Wrap. Wouldn't you hate to be without it? Little General Stores is ready to serve you every day with great locally roasted coffee, as well as the best prices for all your deli meats. Little General Convenience Stores. We're here for you. recipe for you right here on recipe for a good day and we're going to take you on a little journey in a little bit we're going to hit some mexican food with the steak hamburg on sale but before we do let's talk a little bit about that petite sirloin steak which is on sale for 5.99 a pound now petite sirloin steak on sale this week so it's a perfect time to make a few recipes. Now, the, of course, uh, benefit is it's always high quality and fresh at Little General Stores. Now, it is also known as a tip sirloin. A little expensive, a less expensive cut comes from the loin region of the cow. The steak, thin cut, lean, and tender because it doesn't have a lot of marbling. So it tends to be a steak that lends itself to marinades for tenderizing when it comes to the Petite sirloin steak. It's a naturally lean, thick cut of steak with bold, beefy flavor. Very popular, so it's fine on its own. But it can add huge flavor to recipes and cooks well with marinades and sauces. If and I, I am that type of cook. It's about the marinade and the sauce, and the meat only carries it. Uh, the top sirloin is a favorite grilling steak because it's lean enough and affordable enough to enjoy any night of the week, including tonight because it's on sale now through close of business on Sunday. So if you do need to have a recipe that calls for some thinly sliced uh, steaks, like, for instance, a steak fajita, a stir fry, an Asian beef, maybe with noodles or even steak sandwiches, the petite sirloin steak is an excellent choice to work with. Most often, it's a grilling steak or a broiling because it's used as normally a little thinner slice, so pan searing and or an oven roasting whole petite sirloins does not tenderize the steak enough, so the steak can become chewy if it gets overcooked. So grilling the perfect steak is easy. Let the meat come to room temperature as always before you do move forward. That's your key to getting an even balanced cook. So let it sit out of the refrigerator for about 20 to 30 minutes to become room temperature before you grill and that ensures it's cooked evenly throughout. Flavoring the steak before you grill it is essential. Two options for flavoring a steak being the dry rub or marinade both result in a flavorful steak every time and there is an addition 
on the Archive Podcast of Recipe for a Good Day, where we talk about all things dry rub and marinades, the choices, how-to, and all that good jazz. Two grilled petite steaks, first marinade. You're going to use some sort of oil, maybe a Worcestershire sauce, your favorite seasonings for at least an hour. It's recommended that the uh, steak seasonings of a Montreal steak could be perfect. Uh, for a nice blend over your steak, you're going to heat the outer two sides of the grill to uh, to a high heat, maybe 450. Let the center of the grill beat off to create in a direct and indirect heat zone so you can move it around. Whole steaks on the grill over the direct heat. Sear for about three minutes per side and then over to the indirect heat until they get medium rare around 140 on the meat thermometer. Remember, it's going to notch up and will continue to cook when it is resting. So do make sure that steak rests for about three to five minutes. Let it finish cooking. Let the juices get back in and get redistributed throughout the meat before you do cut into it. So uh, there's just some grilling tips here and uh, what the benefits are. So again, uh, grilled steak gyros, uh, perfect uh, meat for anything like that, of a fajita, uh, anything that needs to be cut and stripped. Uh, sometimes I'll just do that for my steak sandwiches, but a grilled steak fajita works perfect for that. Uh, Mongolian beef with some ramen noodles, uh, ramen noodles, excuse me, not numerals, ramen noodles. Um, that's an easy, nice cook. Matter of fact, let me see here. We're gonna we're gonna give you that recipe. We're gonna talk that right now because it sounds like a good meal to uh, get into. So that's gonna be our sirloin steak. We're gonna talk about. The, again, world of Mongolian uh, steak uh, and beef with ramen noodles. Ramen noodles, we did a, uh, a whole feature on the ramen noodles a short while ago. And it was certainly a very popular show because every household has those type of noodles in it. Uh, so this is a 30-minute make-at-home Asian meal, Mongolian beef with ramen, a copycat of the P.F. Chang's Mongolian beef, only served with ramen rather than rice. So it's a main course. It's 10 minutes of prep, 20 minutes to cook, serves six. Uh, you're going to use here one and a half pound of the petite sirloin steak, uh, a quarter cup of cornstarch, Two tablespoons of vegetable oil, one head of broccoli chopped into florets, three packets of eight-ounce ramen noodles, two cups of water to boil the ramen noodles in, and three green onions chopped. I checked with Booker uh, MGs. He said he's fine with it. Um, so the white parts separate from the green parts on those three onions, green onions chopped. Uh, for your sauce, you're going to need two tablespoons of sesame oil. I made a uh, I, I made a orange uh, sesame red wine glaze sauce for some beef the other day with some fresh tomatoes as well that come out very nice. So sesame oil is something I'm definitely using more of in my kitchen. Two tablespoons of sesame oil, three quarter cup of low sodium soy sauce. Again, it's just a little healthy alternative to the normal soy sauce, which is extraordinarily high in sodium. A half cup of the brown sugar. A half cup of chicken broth, low sodium chicken broth. Uh, four cloves of garlic minced. One teaspoon of ginger powder or freshly grated ginger. I do use the powder on this one. I found it a pain in the butt to work <laughs> to grind up ginger root. Um, a quarter teaspoon of red pepper flakes. If you're Roger, you're going to go to a half teaspoon. That's fine. And one teaspoon of sriracha sauce. Now, slice the sirloin steak into thin strips. And when you're slicing... 
your petite sirloin steak and you're stripping it, whether it's for a fajita or what it is, remember, always slice against the grain. You're going to toss the steak with cornstarch until each piece gets well coated. You're going to heat that vegetable oil in a large skillet over medium-high heat. You're going to add in the beef strips to the hot oil, and you're going to cook the beef in batches. You don't want to overcrowd your pan, even with the oil. Gary used to always tell us about that. You're going to end up steaming, not frying, and not cooking, not searing. And you need hot spots of the pan to flip the beef onto. Otherwise, it's not going to sear correctly. So that'll give the beef a nice crispy texture. And again, don't steam your meat. Sear your meat. You want it crispy. You want that velvety texture. Cook it for about 10 minutes until it's brown and cooked through in batches. Add the chopped broccoli florets. And uh, in addition to that, you're going to add the white parts of the scallions to the pan and let it cook for a few minutes until it gets soft. Now, prepare the ramen noodles as you always do, the same old boil and boil, boil. Uh, prepare the sauce by whisking together in a large measuring cup or medium bowl the low-sodium soy sauce, the brown sugar, the ground ginger, the minced garlic, the red pepper flakes, the uh, sriracha, and the chicken broth. Remove the steak, broccoli, and onions from the pan and add the sauce and scrape up all the bits of goodness that get to the bottom of the skillet. And that's really a big key to why you're adding the sauce. Anyways, you're getting that delicious flavoring out of the, um, the, the dish pan and into your actual dish. Don't leave all that on the pan to be washed off and sink to the bottom of your dish pan that nobody's ever going to taste and realize how good it is. No. No, and it's only going to make your cleaning up more difficult. Use that sauce. Scrape up all that deliciousness from the bottom of the skillet. That's all flavor. Then cook that sauce for a few minutes until it thickens up and it starts to reduce. And then add the steak, the broccoli, and noodles to the skillet. Stir it to evenly coat it with the sauce. Top it with the green scallions. And voila. Serve it with some extra sriracha if you want on the side. If it's desired or just dive in as is. A very easy 30-minute to make delicious Asian meal Mongolian beef ramen noodles featuring the petite sirloin steaks for this week's sale of $5.99 a pound at all Little General locations. All right, we're going to give you one more quick message. Remember, if there's a topic or food item you'd like to hear discussed, just send an email. If you have a question from your kitchen or a recipe you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Just email the show at asktheshef at WNRI.com. That's asktheshef at WNRI.com. Bienvenido a Mexico City, one of the financial and cultural powerhouses of Latin America. A place with ancient roots, in recent years this mega city has undergone a renaissance, exploding into a city of color. In a city of color, in a city of cultural food, and we're going to take you down to Mexico City. Every street. It's in the sun-baked plazas and monuments, the dappled shade and quiet of its courtyards, and in the brush strokes of its murals and street art. It's in the faded pastels and tile work of colonial buildings. 
It's in the cantinas, the music, the cuisine. Everywhere there is color. If life has a color, that color would be called Mexico City. Well, it certainly uh, almost makes me want to go. I realize I got to leave the country. But good news is you can bring a taste of Mexico City right here to your kitchen. So let's get a little Mexican cooking music going on here. There you go. And we're going to make a few items today. We're going to make a, we're going to start off with a basic taco recipe. We'll get you ready for your Taco Tuesday. Now, I know it's Wacky Wednesday, but, you know, you, you want to be ready for Taco Tuesday. We've never covered the base taco. So let's get down to it. Now, tacos are so easy to make, especially with our friends at Ortega. And uh, we're going to use an original Ortega taco recipe. So you're going to need a pound of the steak hamburger on sale, again, for $5.89 a pound. So it's going to be nice quality steak tacos. One package of taco seasoning mix. Now, we're going with the Ortega here as it's the brand offering the cookbook recipe. Uh, you're going to use three cups of water, one package of taco shells warmed. And your suggested taco toppings, lettuce, chopped tomatoes, shredded cheddar cheese, and, of course, that thick and smooth Ortega taco sauce. You're just going to brown the, brown the uh, ground steak hamburger, uh, stir, you know, drain any grease that does occur, but it'll be a less greasy uh, pan than the chuck hamburger. Stir in the seasoning mix and water, bring it to a boil, reduce your heat, cook it, stirring it occasionally, keep stirring it, keep it active, keep it moving uh, for about five to six minutes until it thickens up. Uh, it'll reduce, and again, that seasoning mix and that water will reduce, it'll absorb into the hamburger. You'll know when it's ready to go and you'll get that aroma. And then, boom, fill those warmed taco shells with that beef mixture. And then you, you top it as you desire per taco. And again, the tradition would be, of course, for the shredded lettuce, the chopped tomatoes, and the shredded cheddar cheese. And that delicious taco sauce. But it's a super easy one, two, three Taco Tuesday dinner with the steak hamburg on sale, five eighty nine a pound. And you don't only have to have it on Tuesday. That is just a phrase. Maybe you're going to do a petite sirloin steak on the grill. Again, they, those are on sale for five ninety nine a pound at all those general locations. So why not uh, bring a little taste of Mexico into your petite sirloin steak dinner with a taco topped baked potato. Doesn't that sound absolutely delicious? And again, it is very easy to come across. Uh, what you're going to do is get your, your four large baking potatoes and you're going to scrub them. You're going to get about a half pound, eight ounces of ground beef, about a quarter cup chopped onion, one package of the taco seasoning mix. We're going to again stick with the Ortega brand for our purposes here. One container of the Ortega salsa and cheese bowl sour cream uh, mix. It is an option if you like sour cream, use it. Uh, so again, you're going to prick the potatoes several times with a fork after you've scrubbed them. And then you're going to... Now, some people, they just microwave their baked potatoes. High 100%, 12 to 15 minutes until it just becomes tender. Turn the potatoes over. Rearrange them once. You can use your oven to it. Again, you're going to cook at a lot of high heat. Uh, crumble ground beef into a casserole dish. Add in the onion. Uh, then microwave it on high, again, if you want uncovered, or you can stir-fry it in your pan. 
but the meat will cook and you're going to drain that grease. So I would say go ahead, microwave the potatoes, but when it comes to the hamburg, do use your range top. Uh, cook that meat, drain the grease, add in the onion, let that soften, let all those flavors combine in the pan. Stir in the taco seasonings, half the amount of water. Again, scrape anything off the pan that's delicious and flavorful, especially from the onion. Then add in the contents to the pan of the salsa and the cheese. And then you're going to, again, cover it, heat that, let it melt through, stir it once. Give it a nice cover. That cheese will melt right into the meat. And then you're just going to make a uh, a slash into each potato. You're going to press the side of the potatoes in to form the opening, that little pocket. You're going to sprinkle a little salt for taste. Uh, spoon the fillings that you've just made into each potato. Top that with sour cream if desired and call it a taco-topped baked potato on the side of the petite sirloin steak off the grill. Doesn't that just sound absolutely amazing? Uh, and uh, we're going to give you one more recipe. So there you have you. You have your petite sirloin steak coming off the grill. And you've got the candles lit at the table. You have a red wine to go with the red meat. You have some nice music. Candlelit dinner, taco-topped baked potatoes, your petite sirloin steak dinner, and you're on your way to a glorious weekend. I don't know what he's saying, but I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Especially when you're eating the taco-topped baked potatoes. In la isla del Right, well, there you go. Whatever it is, it's awfully romantic. I'm pretty sure it's not a hate song. It's just absolutely gorgeous music. I can listen to it all day. But we're going to slip in one more recipe for you here on your recipe for a good day. We're going to stay in Mexico. We're going to go with a Mexican taco salad, a third version, to enjoy some taco flair with your cuisine. And this one here is super easy. Again, we're going to stick with that one pound of steak hamburg on sale at Little General Stores for five eighty nine a pound. Oh, that is beautiful, isn't it? Uh, let's keep that on in the background. One cup of chopped onion, one cup of salsa thick and chunky, three-quarter cup of water, one package of taco seasoning mix, one can of kidney beans or pinto beans, either way, rinsed and drained, one can of diced green chiles, three cups of tortilla chips or six taco shells broken into large pieces, six cups of the shredded lettuce divided, And about three-quarter cups or three ounces of shredded nacho taco blend cheese. That's usually a four-cheese Mexican blend. Uh, The beef and onions, of course, skillet it, drain it, medium-high heat, beef will brown, drain the grease out, stir in the salsa, the water, the seasoning mix, get all that flavor off the pan, return it to a boil, reduce heat, simmer it for two to three minutes, stir in the beans and the chiles, and then you're going to layer the ingredients as follows. A half a cup of the chips, one cup of the lettuce, a three-quarter cup of the meat mixture, two tablespoons of the cheese and the desired toppings. Rinse, repeat, for an appetizer of a Mexican taco salad. Aunque estemos 
Oh, you can say it again, Sam. Uh, there you have it. That's going to bring us to your recipe for a good day as we hit Mexico for our taco recipe, our taco-topped baked potato, and our Mexican taco salad. Utilizing that steak hamburger on sale for $5.89 a pound. We gave you Mongolian beef and ramen noodles with that petite sirloin steak and some good tips for what you can use the sirloin steak for and, of course, some basic grilling tips as well. We've given you, let's see, we also gave you the bacon-wrapped chicken loaf. We had uh, that on sale with the bacon for three ninety. $3.99 a pound at all little general locations from Hatfield. Again, bacon, $3.99 a pound for all that deliciousness. And we did also give you the classic uh, Triple M roast beef, the Hummel Brothers ham off the bone, the Genoa hot sweet capicola, the Dagwood skyscraper special sandwich recipe. So we've had a full day here on Recipe for a Good Day. We're going to do it again next week. Don't you think so? Let's hear what he has to say. I think that means we'll be back next week. Uh, but either way, thank you for being with us on your recipe for a good day. Brought to you by Low General Convenience Stores, your convenience store with more. Where quality is their first priority. Bon appétit.